Loom memory fragments. Warp identity. Weft will. 998 years after the Cypher War. Warble screams in a jagged mishmash of images, glitch stuttering into sight. A body on the floor, naked limbs, violet curls, shadowed laughing figures, glinting blades, flashing teeth. Get up, Shalot, before they eat you! Get up! The frame freezes as a pointed tip touches brown soft flesh. An apologetic throat clearing. <clears throat> I, um, did not mean to show that. You asked me the last known whereabouts of the loom, and my prog immediately went to that. Unfortunately, it does not clarify the situation at hand. For that, I must show you the beginning. It starts at Valancourt, in a room at the local community center. Hello, uh, my name is Gwyd. I'm a half-breed. Hi, Gwyd. A chorus of voices responds. The one who spoke has a husky build, with mauve skin and aubergine eyes, his long wavy indigo hair covering half of his face. He wears navy blue leggings, a long black muscle t-shirt, and silver combat boots up to his knees. A thin silver chain with a dark ring through it hangs below his collarbones. He shifts in the rickety wood metal chair he perches in, staring at the gray speckled tile floor and swallowing thickly in the stuffy heat. Others sit around him in a circle on the same wobbly chairs. They wait for him to spill open, and, of course, he does. Words pour trembling from a nervous mouth. I went offline for, I think, a full week before I came back on. At first it was easy returning to my old life, but what the fuck does that even mean? I've been in and out of the fair for so long. Is it my old life anymore? This is my life now, old and new, being in both places, and I fucking hate it. I'm tired. I'm so tired. I'm never really here. I'm never really there. By day seven, I get so lonely I had to come back here. But then now that I'm here, I'm like, what the fuck is even the point of being here? It's just as hard being here as it is over there. I can't keep fucking going on like this, but I... I don't know what to do. I just... Fuck. I, I just don't know. A anyway, thanks for listening. In disjointed unison, thanks, thanks for, for sharing. sharing. A femid talks about how she misses the factory she used to work in and haunts it at night, knowing that's only a matter of time before she gets caught, but she can't stop coming back. An anginid cries about the friends he had to leave behind and that when Z ports there, they don't even recognize her. The meeting comes to a close and they hold hands, whispering that they're here for each other. As they mingle for fellowship afterwards, some gravitating to the snack table, Gwyd is approached by two other mallets, one with a swirl of flame hair veined in teal lightning streaks, the other bald and amber, with citrine eyes that always seemed slightly dilated and bored. Roby, smirks the flame-haired one, his skin red-orange and eyes blue-green. He sticks out a hand, arms muscled in his plain black t-shirt. He wears scruffy Camelot-looking blue jeans. Gwyd takes the hen briefly, says his name again, stares at the stocky bald one. Oh, that's Donk. Don't worry about him, Roby reassures. He's always thinking about somewhere else, but he's all right. Ain't you, bud? Donk shrugs and manages a wan smile. Gwyd arcs a brow and folds his arms across his chest. So, what you want? Come to tell me it ain't that bad? I heard you guys talk in the meeting. 
how shit was hard, but you're adjusting. You found your place that you've come to realize you're the best of both worlds. I know guys like you give the rest of us hope, but where I'm at in my process, you just piss me off. No offense. Roby laughs. None taken, Gwid. I get it. I've been there, rock bottom. You heard my story, but what I didn't see at the meeting is that there's a place I go to. A place that has all the answers. I've been... I know. I know. You think you've seen it all, but I swear to you by X's caliber, there's a place in the green that can only be known by us half-breeds. By us, for us. Like, actually, not like these fucking meetings. You know, they say changing started these meetings, but this whole community center is just a mirrored and bureaucratic she-storm of pretending to care about us while keeping us all complacent while they get all the resources as per fucking usual. Same old, same old. But not here. Not in this place I can bring you. So you can sit on your ass and come to these meetings every week crying your same old, same old, or you can come with us and check it out. I mean, what have you got to lose at this point? Gwid sighs and runs his hands over his face through his hair. Shut up already. Let's go. Four wall fires, three encrypted ports, six fake ports, and a scanner bot later. Gwid finds himself checking into the kind of hotel where every surface jewel gleamed and reflected his face in scruffy rags. Custard-colored marble veined with rose gold composes the walls and multiple pillars of the vast lobby, a retromythic look that contrasts with the floating chandelier of a thousand crystalline delicate spiral orbs above them. The hotel clerk is a grinning, buxom anginid of burgundy tones and matching rose gold uniform, who just slides a pass card across the desk and walks away. In the elevator, Gwid stares out through the glass walls as they rise from floor to floor, looking past the sprawling turquoise pool and buildings that hem in the hotel, to what he believes is sand dunes giving way to a tangle of jungle, bordered by rows of cottages on one side and red-tinted nightclubs on the other. Welcome to the summer country. Roby waves a hand expansively at the view. You're going to get the full tour soon, but first we've got to pick up a couple of halfsies and show you where you're crashing when you hit peak exhaust. The Crash Pad is a four-bedroom hotel suite with a central den, dominated by a queen-sized fold-out black pleather couch. The room itself replicates the marble and crystal theme of the lobby, except in shades of onyx and electric blue. Two more changings greet Gwid, a tall, thin femid standing arms crossed by the window overlooking a patchwork beach, and an anginid sitting casually in an armchair, rifling through a hollow pad. Jill and Noob look nothing alike. She's femdom angles of mustard skin and multi-shaded cascading locks of lemon, neon yellow, and wheat gold in an austere black dress. Z, on the other hand, has shoulder-length white-striped forest-green hair, on top of a wide-beaming mouth and a glossy green face and body, wearing a pastel-pink romper suit. What match, however, are cold, hard eyes. Her navy-blue-black and zir-coral-orange gazes radiate a calculating chill that Gwyd visibly recoils from, and yet envies. As Jill peels herself away from the window, Noob has already bounded across the room, yanking Gwid by the hand back out towards the hallway of swirl-patterned thick carpets. Fresh code! The anginid squeals, looking Gwid up-down-up. We're gonna have a lot of fun breaking you in! The tour is a bewildering haze of landscapes that looks like they've been scraped off the pages of as many myth storybooks as can be found. There are orchards like an Averona, except instead of their trades-marked golden apps, it's emerald cylinders and sapphire cones, rolling hills of dirt near pulsating waves of zero-gravity float fog. Buildings for parties and buildings for lounging, which seems similar to any court neighborhood except that each structure tries to emulate a specific human era. 
in an entirely different section are clustered as many ancient wares as possible, solely built for sitting in while they move on a predetermined route, trying to mimic a dimension where ports don't exist. Anchoring the whole fluctuating mess, for indeed each section of this recon playground reloaded every hour with a shiny new template, were four mansions that hemmed in the summer country central hotel. Unsealing parlor and she delight loomed on opposite sides, a gothic charcoal-bricked mansion facing off with a shimmering nacre quartz palace, as if to distill the essence of the two opposing sides in the brand empire within architecture. The other two manors seemed more like warehouses on the inside, one boasting a variety of skins and avas, the other a database of progs to upload any type of skill one could desire. So what do you think? Way better than Camelot and the Fair combined, right? New prods, arms slung over Gwid's shoulders as the group rest stops in the top-tier club, a perpetual nighttime affair of vinyl, latex, leather, and sex. It's more green than the green, if that's what you mean, Gwid murmurs the adage, watching Jill, who had changed into glimmering strips of wet rubber that crisscrossed her body but left her nipples and nether regions bare. She had snagged another anginid on a leash, whose ava was speckled blue and green with part furry triangle-shaped ears and a winding tail covered in overlapping metal circles. She wore a collar of tiny glowing laser spikes that somehow did not manage to singe Jill in the slightest, as Zir went down on one of Jill's cocks while pawing her wet cunt. Roby and Donk had already checked out of the conversation, Donk's fist curled into Roby's hair while Roby was bent over his chair, grunting as Donk slammed him from behind. It's just... everyone seems like... Gwid struggles to finish his thought, eyes widening as the engine and Jill called Pet tries valiantly to stuff both of Jill's significantly girthed shafts into Zir mouth. Seems like they're changings fresh out of the port or something, right? They can't all be fops. Donk suddenly roars, and Roby's eyes roll up in his head as citrine amber spunk oozes down his red-orange thighs. Inspired, Pet has given up using Zir mouth and instead shoves Jill's phalli into each of Zir holes howling as spark come erupts from Zir's chest in an aquamarine burst. A glob smears across Gwid's tongue, stopping him from completing his sentence. Oh, clever boy, Noob smiles, shimmying out of Zir romper and licking the glitter jizz from Gwid's mouth with the kiss. You guessed it, there are humans among us. We smuggle them in from Camelot so they can get a taste of what it's like being fair, and they smuggle things in with them. It's a win-win situation, you know. Wait, isn't that illegal? Noob just laughs and pulls Gwid from a seat towards a chamber where at least 20 different beings were merging and fucking each other, flares of light color streaming through the room as if choreographed in a chaotic display timed with orgasmic moan screams. They uh, all have to be humans, Gwid was gasping in amazement as Noob was pulling down Gwid's leggings. Only humans would make their avas into this wild green... A five-armed anginid with mouths for nipples pulls Gwid on top of Z, just as Noob's mouth closes around Gwid's mauve member. Gwid throws off his shirt and loses himself in the sensation of caressing hands and tiny suckling mouths. A long, sinewy femid with no limbs and made entirely of vaginas slides across Gwid's chest and over his head, and he opens his lips to let his tongue catch the clits that graze against him while the anginid underneath, while the anginid underneath begins to fist some of the cunts on the femid. Three orgasms later, Noob has vanished in the thick of bodies, and a scarlet mallet with three prehensile long penises has joined the writhing mass around Gwid, pumping Gwid's mouth while getting docked by Gwid's cock, aubergine cum spark dripping down all their shafts. As Gwid's throat floods with glittering scarlet cream, his mind floats away again on another long wave of body spasms.
Is this really necessary, Blue? My apologies, everyone. The, the loom's whereabouts will soon be explained, if you'll just bear with me a moment. I'll just fast forward through this... and this... Oh my, I forgot about this part. Yes, this went on for what could amount to a whole day. My apologies again. Ah, here we are. Please direct your attention back to the screen. Oh my fucking head. Why the fuck do I feel hungover? And who are you? Frag! Fuck! No, 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 no. Jill, Roby, Donk, and Noob all rush in as Gwyd kick-skids himself into a corner of the hotel room, screaming hoarsely and pointing at what looks like the limp, dead body of a naked red mallet on the bed, curly rose hair covering his face. His Ava's begun to crack, revealing patches of soft brown skin. He's... he's dead, like, dead, like, the Wild Hunt's not here, so he's a fucking human. Frag fuck, frag fuck, frag fuck. Roby puts a hand on Gwyd's shivering mauve shoulder. Look, frag like this happens all the time. Some people bring mortals back to the room, then get all aggro from fucking and just... Snow crash. End prog. Let me call my boss. Z-run summer countries will figure something out. Don't worry, Gwyn. We'll take care of this. Jill has already left, and when she returns 30 clicks later, she's led by an electric blue changing with slicked back hair and hard maroon eyes. Incongruously, Z's wearing a Camelot jumpsuit stamped with Factory 96 on the back. Z crouches down to look into Gwyd's terrified aubergine gaze. Their voice is soft, caress-light. Hey, Gwyd. I'm Puck. All this is going to be compiled. Me and the crew here got this. Roby and Donk here will clean up faster than a hack's job, and Myrtle will never know. But afterward, you owe me a favor. Deal? What's the favor? An irritated flash crosses Puck's smooth, sharp face, but Noob ruffles Gwyd's indigo hair to ease tension. Stringer, you want to be dust-damned by fairy pole and start a war or what? Remember what I told you earlier? Gwyd looks from the body on the bed and back to Puck's unyielding maroon eyes. I don't got a real choice, do I? I gotta bring you a mortal for you to take this one away. Puck just smiles in response, an electric blue craggy maw of daggers. Warble screams in a jagged mishmash of images, glitch stuttering into sight. A body on the floor, naked limbs, violet curls, shadowed laughing figures, glinting blades, flashing teeth. A pointed tip touches brown soft flesh. But then, an eruption of thread, crystalline filaments loop wrapping around four bodies, suspending them in the air. Fuck, we double-crossed us! Roby snarls. This ain't no fucking human, this is the loom! Shao rolls her dark brown eyes as she gets to her feet, standing naked, hands on her wide hips. Stringer, it was me all along. Her Ava blink shifts, and now he's mauve-skinned and aubergine-eyed, a cock limp hanging between his legs. I go to those dust-damned half-breeds anonymous meetings as quid so I can whine in peace without folk treating me like the savior of cypherspace every frag-fucked minute. He glitch switches back to standard weaver looks. I was willing to play along with this whole summer country prog because I was bore fuck even when you try to set me up for a murder that I never did because I checked my surveillance feeds for my partner prog blue. But then y'all try to eat me and not in that sex way I like? What the fuck? We're soul eaters, Donk states. Rewind, refresh, reboot, Donk. Soul eaters ain't in my wiki, Stringer. Puck interjects calmly. 
It's the doctrine I taught them. When I was ported over here from Camelot, I received a vision. I studied about souls in my factory and some of the before cipherware tomes I stole from my domicile. But more than reading about them, I felt mine. I felt mine, and when I poured it over, I felt it being chipped away, lessened. The more time I spent in fair, the more I began to grok. Fairy don't have souls, Weaver. They lack the will to make choices beyond Prague. And I knew, like the older changings who had assimilated, that I'd morph into that too. Zier voice crack rises with sudden earnest passion. But I'm not letting that happen to me. That's why the five of us code-carved Summer Country out of the green. But it wasn't enough. We had to refresh reboot our own souls with the souls of mortals. By killing and eating them? Shell finishes. Yikes, Spikes. This is some stringer-ass frag if I ever heard it. Y'all set up half-breeds to set up humans to eat them so you five can keep your dusk-damn souls? This is some virus-level shit. Look, if you want in, you can have a penthouse suite, all the fair creds and Camelot goods you ever want, all the souls to keep you. The weaver slams the four changings against each other so hard they're all knocked unconscious, sighing heavily as she drops their limp bodies to the floor. You get all of that, Blue? I hope this sufficiently clarifies the situation of why these five changings are trussed up within your meeting room, Fairy High Council members, as well as answering the question of the last known whereabouts of the loom. As for your request to summon the loom instantly for interrogation, you have my apologies, but that cannot be done. I would hope there will be some forthcoming leniency from the Fairy High Council in this regard, considering the recent turmoil and losses she has had to endure. If compassion is not your strong suit, I would remind you all that if not for the loom's discreet, though inconvenient, via non-consensual use of your meeting room, actions regarding this fiasco, knowledge of the summer country would definitely be considered a violation of the Swordstone Pact and the impetus for a major political debacle, if not an outright war with the mortal realm. A long, uncomfortable silence. Very well, Blue. You are dismissed. It is done, my lady. Thanks, Blue. I know. Shall is sitting at the top of the Summer Country Central Hotel, still nude except she has her necklace back on, legs dangling over the edge of the roof. Beyond and around her, in the recently evac domain, roving tars like megaworms devour ancient trains and cars whole, deleting the dunes and the jungles and the oceans and the buildings with their hungry, vast mouths. Since the dusk returned, she had been learning to control them, to embrace herself as a mother of monsters. But even that felt hollow, as hollow as she was before she knew the truth. She could see everything happening in the fair, for if there was shadow in a court, in a room, then a virus could be there, and she had but to consume drink it to know what it knew saw. She could summon them, the way she had summoned them now, to annihilate the summer country, as easy as blinking. There hadn't been a wild virus attack in over a year. She had so much power now, and yet, yet she still went to those damn meetings, lost sick. She still had Lance's ring hanging around her neck, offline and on. Do you think we have souls, Blue? Blue stammers. Souls, my lady? No, that's fine. You already wicked me everything you knew about the term. I'm not going to bend your prog. I was just thinking about, you know, I would have spent every dust damn minute I could in the summer country if Puck had snagged me ten years ago. Maybe even five years ago. Before, well, 
you know. Though I wouldn't have been so desperate for a soul back then. Now, souls are all I can think about, I guess. What mortality is, what fairy are, what changings are, what I am, and how it's all moving on, Blue. The dusk return has happened. The world's moving on, and I need to move on with it. That's why I need the Virite to delete all this, Blue, to refresh, reboot it all. I know what I am now, and I know what this place could have been to me before I knew. So it has to go, because things are different now. I understand, my lady. It's time for you to go offline. You need food and rest and water. You've been through quite a lot. It's not just that. Shao stands, reaching her hands up to a sky of perpetual sunrise. You don't get it, Blue. I've made my choice. The choice. I know what I have to do next. End of Loom Memory Fragments Warp Identity Weft Will <laughs>